That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, available on Amazon and everywhere. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lou Perez Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Perez, and today I am joined by Ryan Walker. You may know him from Twitter as at cooking underscore it underscore keto. Cooking it keto, Ryan Walker. Ryan, thanks for joining me today. Hey man, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And for those for those who might not follow you on, on Twitter, I think what stands out the most is that you managed to take the most gorgeous videos possible of steak <laughs> and eggs. Um they it's it's decadent. You feel like I feel like I'm, there's like an orgy going on that I'm that I want to be a part of, but I don't know who I need to pay to be a part of it. And I'm speaking as a guy. My um, my father is a butcher, so I grew up with with meat my whole life. Yeah. But you're able to do something very special. Um, so can, can you talk a little bit about uh, steak and eggs? Yeah. So steak and eggs, that's my, uh, that's my niche. That's my, that's my, my bloodline, my lifeline. Um, you know, got into cooking and, uh, I haven't been cooking that long to be honest, but, um, just started, started ripping through these steak and egg dishes. And, and, you know, it's like, it's so, it's a lot more than just steak and eggs. Like, you know, it's like, it's like nutritious, the most nutrient dense food available to us. Um, it's like, you know, highly demonized and there's all this propaganda going on since like the sixties, seventies about, you know, steak, eggs, cholesterol, all this dietary BS. Um, but then I just love to eat it. I love making it, uh, a thousand different ways. Um, it's, uh, it's the cornerstone of my diet and, uh, yeah, I just it's a dish. I'm I'm not a professional chef, but I am the best steak and egg cook there ever was. And uh and with that, so so much of what you do, it it looks like you're doing it in like is it a cast iron? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I first started cooking, like I said, it's only been a few years for me. Um had all these non-sticks and, you know, an air fryer which I still use a little bit, maybe once in a while, but all these uh all these weird ways to, uh, you know, cooking your food. And then once you get into like the health wellness and you start looking into, you know, all these forever chemicals and different stuff, it's like, there's only a couple ways you should be cooking your food, uh, stainless steel, cast iron, open fire on the grill. That's it. Smoker. But, um, yeah, most of my, most of my cooks of the, of the steaks are on uh, the cast iron or, um, Soon they're going to be on the Argentinian. I'm almost done building that sucker. So what what, good- what what is it? What what is an Argentinian? My my dad's from Argentina. Um, so I'm, I what 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 is that? What what separates that from what what you would normally see? Yeah, so it's um it's like a open fire grill where you're you're building your fire, you rake your coals into place, and then the whole the whole uh, grill grate, if you will, has a mechanism where you know lowers and raises depending on what you're cooking what temp you want it at so you could you know drop it down to sear something and then lift it up to kind of cook it slower and you have all that natural smoke um yeah good stuff it's an awesome way to cook it's very uh very intimate that's awesome well one of the one of the things um that i guess like argentinians are notorious for is 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 burning their meat like like cooking it like well done 
Like growing up, that's all we that's all we did. Everything was well done. We would really? go, to a, yeah, we would go to a restaurant, and my dad would order well done but juicy, which I don't even know what the hell that means <laughs> right now. So like, so like my whole life, I, I'm I was used to having like well done meat. So like even like, I'm, I was a I, I guess a spoiled kid growing up. Like we would have like filet mignon, like sometimes multiple times a week. They'd be and it would be burnt, and I wouldn't know. Wait, wait, I, wait, I wait. Yeah, go for so, it. So you have the char on the outside, but you're saying the inside was also like gray, like cooked through. Yeah, like- yeah, man. Like you look, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, here we, it, like, I'm looking back at it because it was only a thing when I got into like maybe like my twenties, uh, like my mid twenties, when I started getting like, hey, look, can I order a medium? What happens if I order order it medium rare? And like now I'm I'm into uh, medium rare. Oh, but yeah. yeah, and then looking back, I'm like, here you have a filet mignon, it ends up looking like a hockey puck. <laughs> and and yeah. we were, you know, and we were we were eating it. So I, I don't know if things have changed, but you know, from my from my pops, it was always always well done. So. Really, I mean, this is news to me. I, I follow some uh, pretty experienced uh, Argentinian grillers. I've never seen the the well done method. I will say this though. I mean. Well done is definitely not what I like. I mean, if you uh, if you come to my tasting, you're not getting a well done steak, that's for sure. But um, you know, I mean, it's it's edible. It's like I've enjoyed some. Like, definitely would rather it be uh, the medium rare. But uh, I've had some medium steaks, some borderline well done steaks that aren't completely horrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, my uh, better than a- tofu. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, anything, anything is better. Uh, uh, my uh, one of my one of my good friends. He got married outside of uh, Florence in Italy, and one of the one of the excursions that that we did was we went to. I think it's, it's his famous butcher uh, restaurant tour uh, in Italy, and um, they, you know, they're all about you know they're all about meat. And one of the warnings that you guys like, you can't order, you know, like, oh, I want my meat medium. I want my, you know, anything like that. It's just as is. And it's almost like, like it's rare, like real rare. Yeah. So uh, by the time you know, like we were, by the time we were like doing like uh, that trip, I forget how many days we were in of just eating just insanely great food in Italy. And then we sort of had like a moment, you know, eating this stuff where it's like, okay, I guess we're like Italian cavemen or something like that. Cause it was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, it looked like it was, it was as close to like, you know, still like beating as, as you, as you could possibly get. And I never got into that as, as much. I, I wish I remember the guy's, the guy's name. I think there's like a, a Netflix, like a Netflix episode on. You know. Yeah. I've had some rares, the rare steak that I've enjoyed, but uh, I definitely prefer that medium rare, even sometimes medium, but um. I'm definitely not a raw steak enjoyer, but my perspective on the ordering your steak has completely switched. I used to, mm-hmm. you know, before I got into cooking and stuff, I used to be like, you're the customer. If you want a well-done steak, they cook you a well-done steak. Like, that's it. And then as I started cooking and now I'm going to be um, opening my little tasting menu in a couple of weeks you ain't ordering no well-done steak here, man. Like that, not happening. Um, so my perspective on that is a little change. I kind of give a little more respects to the to the chefs um, if they're a little hard line on. We're not serving any well-done steaks. I, I, you know, I respect that because you know, even when I when I go to a 
a restaurant and if it's something like um, you know, venison uh, that I'm ordering, um, I always go like, give it to me the way the chef, you know, wants to give it to me. You know, it's like, I, I th- there's a reason why you got, you know, you trust the professionals in that, uh, in, in that respect. Do you, do you have a favorite cut? Like what's your favorite cut steak? Um, you know, I like them all. Um, but obviously, um, if you look at my page, I'll name, I'll name three in particular. Um, yeah. one is a hanger steak. That's oh, a yeah. butcher's cut. Um, they call it the butcher's cut for a reason. It's not a big cut on a cow, but it is an amazing, juicy, lesser known uh, cut of steak. But that's probably my number one. Number two, I'll give a shout out to the short rib because Bray's short ribs are just melting your mouth. It's I just cooked some up yesterday. Maybe that's why they're on my head. But um, and then number three is the steak that I eat the most of, um, you know, partially financial reasons but even more than that i've just gotten so good at cooking it that i'll put it up against the restaurant's filet any day of the week the average restaurant not like you know some high-end steakhouse but and that's a london broil it's like super super lean it's like it's almost like a poor man's redneck cut of meat that you know it's it's what i grew up eating and um i've just cooked so much of it that i've like I've just gotten so good at cooking this thing that it comes out freaking perfect every single time. It's absolutely delicious. And as long as you slice it right against the grain and you get a proper rest, it's like top notch meat right there. And it's super lean. So, you know, you get, you're getting your protein numbers in there, rest it with some butter and your aces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and you mentioned the, you know, like price point and, you know, it's something where, you know, again, like growing up in the home of a butcher where my dad is getting, you know, wholesale, right. Uh, those prices. And that's what he's, you know, that's, what he's bringing home. He's, he's, you know, butchering his, you know, uh, the cuts that we're eating. I never realized just how fucking expensive yeah. beef is. And now I go into the supermarket and I'm like 1899 for a what for a pound. And that's in your look at, and, you know, just, just like, you know, doing that math uh there and and that's like doing you know i guess um you know kind of industrial meat you know it's sort of you know the the factory you know farming stuff and you know and if you want to get i guess like you know grass-fed or that sort of thing then you need to go you know up another uh another notch so where where do you get your meat so um I do have like an awesome butcher that I go to um, in Spring Lake, Dutch Hill Farm. He gets like all these like exotic cuts, Wagyu. Um, I get all my like pork products from there because generally speaking, you know, I'm really big into regenerative agriculture. I like to source all my meat products as much as I can afford from like, you know, ethically farmed places. But as far as health and just strictly health wise, it's a lot more important to source your um, properly source your pork and your chicken products than it is your beef products. Um, you know, I prefer well-sourced beef products, just like more so, um, you know, environmental reasons like cruelty to the animals, but um, ruminants are magical creatures. They got multiple stomachs. So, you know, some, some like toxins and PUFAs that'll stay in a, pork or chicken fat that they get through their diet and through their environment, a ruminant, a cow 
that all that level of toxins won't stay in their fat um, just because they got multiple stomachs. And, you know, like I said, they're magical creatures. So as far as like pork and chicken, I try to get it all from that butcher. Um, I'm a big sausage guy. I love my sausages. So yeah, he I does saw, all these specialty. I, I, I saw yesterday. I think it was yesterday you 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 posted a was it a, a a pork and cheddar sausage? I think it was. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's his. That's his garlic cheddar. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's freaking delicious. Yeah, that that's really cool. And you know, uh, you and I were um, we're, we're both in in Jersey, and well, we won't I won't mention where we are in Jersey. I'm keep <laughs> people guessing because you know, we got to protect ourselves. But um, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I think one you know one of the great things about Jersey that a lot of people just don't know is just the amount of farms that we have. It's crazy, Pete. I mean. In people's defense, and I, I've said this before, I mean, most people that come into Jersey come like New York City to MetLife Stadium, and you're in like an industrial wasteland. You yeah. know what I mean? It's gross. But if you actually like travel the rest of the state, we're the garden state for a reason. You know, you go down south, uh, up north. I mean, it, it, the farmland, the the... The soil is perfect for so many different crops. It's it's really a beautiful place. But uh, between the population and you know the where people are at um, when they're when they're traveling to Jersey by the airports and shit, they get a they get a really weird perspective on what Jersey is. Yeah, I mean, I I never. Uh... Yeah, I never thought about. I'm, I'm from New York, so uh, you know, uh, Jersey was always, you know, stupidly was like, oh, New Jersey. Um, and then, uh, and then I met, I met my wife. Um, it wasn't an arranged marriage; we weren't married yet. When we met. Um, I, I met my wife, and and she brought me back to her, you know, hometown. And I was like, places like this exist. Like this is this is so wild. Um, so yeah, and I think I, I think it's some it's something you know too. Like I I I wonder just like the economics of a farm, you know, because farming is just such a difficult thing, you know. It's like there there's so many variables that that you're dealing with, and then you have like these small farms that are competing with you know obviously you know larger you know industrial uh, industrial stuff. So I, I don't know if have you ever done any any farming or done any, tried anything like that. So, um, like the tasting menu I'm doing, my future restaurant, like the whole idea is farm to table. Um, I only live on like a couple acres right now. Um, so I got, you know, I got chickens, I own chickens, I got a nice big garden. So the menu is going to correlate with what's, what's ready to, what's ready for picking down there. But, um, I have never done any like animal, like large scale animal agriculture farming. Um, but it's, uh. Once I get a get the tasting menu out of the backyard, it's going to be on a farm. That's that's my whole deal. The the steak and the egg farm to table. But farmers have a huge, huge issue. And, you know, it's it's from everything from like government regulation to like these large corporations like Monsanto. I mean, they'll they'll sue some farmer for a, a seed blowing into their crop and you know landing in their field like it, it's it's absurd when you see like all the jumps and hoops that farmers have to go through um but uh yeah it's i'm not gonna when i have it it's gonna be like a restaurant base so mm-hmm. like you know and it's gonna all be like regenerative agriculture stuff so uh, i'm looking into a little niche there but when you go and you're just trying to farm crop and make a living, it's extremely difficult. Yeah, I think uh, 
I think recently um, uh, Thomas Massey, who's a congressman from Kentucky, uh, he's going to be challenging. I think there are certain you know rules. I don't know if it's um, FDA stuff, but it like hinders what a farmer is able to do with like how a farmer is able to sell his meat. Like a lot of farms, something like they're not a. It's it's sort of like a car dealership in a in a way. Like there's some rules out there where like car dealerships can't. Or, or car manufacturers can't sell directly to customers. It's like a similar thing with with meat. And Thomas Massey's like a he's he lives on a on a farm off the grid in in Kentucky, um, and wants to change that so where like farmers can spell, sell directly to uh, you know to consumers. Which I think yeah, those are the fantastic. those are the processing the processing facilities. There's like you know it's like it, it's you have a couple companies that own the whole game and all the people that you know are raising these animals are forced to use these processing facilities. And that just like amplifies the price and price control. And then, you know, it's also like they're trying to, they're trying to inject the meat with more and more Mm -hmm. chemicals, vaccines, all this shit. And you know, it's horrible. We, but the, the way to solve that is definitely less regulation. So I'm with, I'm with Massey a hundred percent there. Um, um, and you know, uh, yeah, well, why don't we talk a little bit about you know the the tasting because um, it's a little early. I haven't eaten yet. I I I, 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 I guess I, I do a form of intermittent fasting where I, I stop eating at eight eight p.m. and I don't have my first bite until around ten a.m. Um, you know, uh, and it's been working for me. I think it uh, it's been, it's been working great. But you've been talking tasting menus and um, and food, so I'm I'm getting a little hungry. Uh, so yeah, how did how did that that come about? This whole thing. Well, I, you know the 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 steak and the egg. That's my that's my future restaurant. Um, it's been building in me. I've just been thinking about it nonstop for you know over a year. And um, I was working in construction, and uh, I started to build this huge outdoor kitchen. Um, it's got a nice little seating area and everything right at my house. And um, then I went out to film Master Chef. Uh, came back. And right now I'm in the process of finishing construction on it. I'm like a couple weeks out and it's basically going to be legally speaking. It's a food club. This is not a restaurant. So New Jersey, don't come after me. It's a food club. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm just going to be doing some hosting, some tastings here where you have a specific menu. Um, It's going to be like six, seven courses, Um, just pre pre planned dishes by me. And uh, very intimate, only a few people, family, friends, people I know from social media. So um, had a lot of people reach out already. So I'm super stoked to get started. And, uh, you know, it's I, I love cooking food. I love eating food, but I love like making food for other people. It's awesome. I mean, for like me to make something, it's like it's like a mixture of art and construction. You're building it and then you present it to somebody and they, they get to experience that dish. It's like, um, it's like you get to live inside a painting painting for a little bit. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's magical. I, I really like it. I can't wait to start having people come and, um, start ripping these stags dishes. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that sounds awesome. And yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, like any time that I that I go to a restaurant, you know, for the you know for the first time, I'm always like like praying that it's amazing. You know, <laughs> it's like 
I don't know if there are people who go out because they want to be miserable or like find a, an excuse to like, you know, just hate, you know, hate a place. Yeah. Um, but every time I go out, like I'm always just, I'm rooting for the place, you know, oh, yeah. and in the area that I'm in, uh, in Jersey, um, there's been a number of times we've gone out and I've just been so disappointed where I'm like, I want to like take the owner aside and just say, I want you to succeed. Like I want, I want to, I want to be dreaming about coming back to this place every week, you know? Um, but you know, some people just don't, they just don't have it. And I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I mean, uh, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, MasterChef and, and, you know, we'll talk, you know, talk a little bit about that, but like, uh, I used to be a huge fan of like uh, Gordon Ramsay's uh, uh, kitchen nightmares where he would go around to like all these failing restaurants and stuff. And it's like uh, uh, every episode, it was like, something's missing is it's the passion that's missing. So you don't have the, the passion. But then sometimes I wonder, is it just like people just don't know what good food tastes like? I don't know what the, you know, I, so. It, it, it's weird, man. It's weird. I mean, when it comes down to it, that that passion thing rings true because, I mean, I watched those shows before, and they got like, you know, it's a people get into it for the wrong reasons. They yeah. think it's gonna be like, you know, um, a jackpot money thing, or it gets a restaurant gets handed down or something. And if somebody's not into it and doesn't care, they're gonna they're gonna see that they're going to see that slip away. I mean, even if they start good and then go bad. I mean, you look at some of those shows, there's like, there's like old rotten meat sitting on the floor. Yeah. The place is disgusting. Um, you know, it's uh microwaving, like every meal, it's horrible. Um, I, I just love food and I love cooking it for people. So there's no way I could ever be associated with anything like that. Um, I take far too much pride in like, you know, the dishes I make, the the food I prepare to ever be uh ever be involved in that kind of scenario. But um I could see how it happens. I mean, you you get in there and you look at the restaurant, it's just a just a job and you start cutting corners and trying to and you know, there's a lot of a lot of different um agencies and health health stuff that I'm sure financially doesn't doesn't help you out, but um, yeah, it's a shame to have places like that. I don't eat out as too often just because of um, dietary things like yeah. avoiding seed oils and PUFAs. But when I do eat out, um, I make sure that place is good because I better enjoy it. What, what's it? What's a PUFA? What is, what is that? Polyunsaturated fatty acids. It's like um, you take saturated fat that's been like demonized and told we're told our whole lives that this is like unhealthy and avoid it. Mm -hmm. And then they want you eating polyunsaturated fatty acids that are actually unhealthy in the ratio that they're telling you to eat it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you should have zero. Um, but you know, mo a majority of the fat in your diet should be saturated fat and like all these like oils, like canola oil, vegetable oil, rapeseed, uh, soybean, these things are all toxic to humans. And uh, they've been sold as like a healthier alternative. But unfortunately, because of costs, there's like almost zero, there's a couple restaurants trying to do it, but um, there's almost zero places you could go out to eat and get something fried that's not like drenched in canola oil or vegetable oil. There was a guy that I saw, he shared a meme on uh, on Twitter, where it was a picture of a bottle of canola oil, and he said, uh, "Cons 
come and take it, you know? Like, oh my God, man. Which was such a, which was such a ridiculous thing. And what was funny is in the thread, the guy starts talking about how in moderation, seed oils are okay. But, but the, but the reality is, you know, you start looking at everything that's in your cupboard right now. Everything has seed oils in it. I mean, it's really difficult to do something in moderation when it's everywhere. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's difficult to do. And then, I mean, like if you, like I shop the perimeter of a grocery store, I'm mm -hmm. barely in the aisles unless I'm hitting up the spice section or something or getting like sugar and shit like that. But, um, you pick up any product, pick up a hundred products in the, um, in the grocery store, like literally 99 or a hundred of them are going to have some kind of seed oil that makes it like, um, you know, I get sometimes I like some like cookies or candies or stuff. I get all my stuff is like imported from like Italy. And I'm not saying that everything over there is good, but you'll find more and more of like, you know, they're using cocoa butter instead of canola oil and their little little crackers or candies or stuff. But in the U.S., I mean, every product's got it. And if you you ever once I fried food and you, you sit there, I'm filling my fryer with avocado oil, coconut oil. And you realize how much oil is soaked up into your food when you're frying mm. it like that, that, that bucket of fried chicken, you're eating like a half a cup of canola oil. Like it's absolutely insane. And all these products were developed as like engine lubricants and like way to <laughs> save money. And, and, and it's just, it's so crazy that, um, you know, you have all these major corporations, bullshitting faking studies and then selling this shit as like a healthy alternative but it, i you know i get a little conspiratorial about this because all that shit not only does it make it unhealthy not only does it last in your body for years after you consume it but that fucks up your gut microbiome and your, your gut your gut health is your mental health so then you have pharmaceutical companies that say, oh, you're feeling depressed. Let me put you on this, that and the third. And then it's like a whole compounding effect where, you know, you're just picking the wrong oil can lead to all these issues. And I also think that a lot of the uh, degenerative like diseases, like you have like Alzheimer's, MS, like a whole list of this stuff is all from highly processed food, seed oils, consuming this for years in and out. Um it's 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 a really horrible situation that that uh that we're in you know and uh you talk about looking in your, in your cupboard like i i had this big bag of cashews and i was like you know great cashews are delicious and i think they're good for you and then i and then i look at the back of the bag it's cashews and peanut oil and it's like you couldn't just just throw the cashews in a bag and give it to me you had to like you know you know put this peanut oil lubricant um yeah. on it um, but you know, one thing I'm, I'm lucky cause, uh, like my wife is, is totally down with, you know, changing things up as far as, you know, uh, you know, eating. And, um, uh, so, you know, we're going to be, you know, making a, a more concerted effort to, you know, look at the stuff that we're eating and make sure that, you know, that crap, that crap isn't in it. And, you know, it's something, something too, like, you know, even just put like health benefits aside, you know, for a second, like you feel differently when you eat quote unquote cleaner than what, you know, with all these, you know, additives and preservatives, it's just, it's just the reality. You feel, you feel better, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I mean, me, I'm kind of like coming from 
like complete darkness to where I'm at now. I mean, I, I struggled with like addiction for 10 years. So, you know, I, I um, when I got sober and then I was like, all right, let me get healthy too. And then, you know, I did keto, lost weight, but then I was like, all right, there's more to this health stuff than just, um, just carbs. So that's when I got into like, you know, all the oils, the raw dairy, um, you know, like everything from preservatives to processed food and just like trying to eat as clean as possible. And as you know, as like we're supposed to eat. And that's like, people ask me like, you know, have you ever relapsed? You ever think about relapse? I'm like, dude, I am higher now than I could ever imagine being. And, <laughs> and it's crazy. It's like when you, you do some physical fitness you eat the right foods. Um, you know, it, it's the way you feel, the way you walk around, the way you interact with people. And this is, um, you know, sometimes people give me shit because I talk a lot about calcified pineal glands. And um, some of it, I'm actually saying, yes, your, cal- your pineal glands calcified. Some of it's tongue in cheek in that, like, all these foods, they affect the way you feel. They affect the way you think. They affect the way you interact with others. Like, when I see like, you know, people going crazy on social media and like you see all these viral clips of people freaking out at protests, it's like, dude, nobody that eats properly and is like has like a healthy lifestyle could even imagine about acting like in that way or doing that. Like these foods affect you and like who you are as a person. You know, for for the most part, I feel like people who have taken control of you know, their diet can take control of their health are way less likely to sort of, you know, go that route, you know, that at least that that's been my, you know, my, my experience. And, and just for myself too, like on a day to day, it's like, if I, you know, if there's a day when I'm feeling like shit, I, I sort of do a little detective work and I'm like, oh, well, yesterday I didn't work out and I ate shit. That makes sense for why I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not yep. doing well today. And then it's like, oh, the, you know, the weeks where, you know, I, I've, I have it all together. It's like, oh, I, I see, you know, I see the benefits in, in, in all sorts of uh, things that I'm, uh, that, that I'm doing. And it's weird. It's weird that it's gotten political. Like, yeah, you know, I'm like a, I, I like to think I'm like a traditional liberal, like, like an old school liberal, which means that currently I am far right Nazi because I don't think you should trust major pharmaceutical companies. Um, I don't think you should go to war around the world. So I'm far right, I guess. But the other thing is that how it's gotten political with like, like exercise and eating healthy and like, like going to like the local food down the street and like knowing your farmer that like that's become conservative, which is just crazy. And Correct me if I'm wrong. This guy, hey, cons, come and take it. He's saying conservatives, right? Or- yeah, yeah, it was cons. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was like, wait, I know a lot of conservatives who are just guzzling that canola oil. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, me too, about? me too. But it's, it is just strange how like like the, like the anti-seed oil movement, I guess, is mostly conservative in, in someone like that's eyes just because, you know, if you're – if you're not with the cult, you're, you're, you know, you're crazy conservative, but it's just, it's a shame how like food and health and like has gotten political. And, you know, I, I, I want everyone to eat right. I want everyone, everyone to be healthy. Then we could have actual conversations and like, you know. Uh, But yeah, you were talking about, um, 
how everything's been politicized and, and even food. And it's like, it, it gets to the, it gets to the point. Like I remember I, you know, seeing headlines about, you know, white supremacists are invading, uh, what's uh farmer's markets. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe there are, you know, maybe that's the case, but it's sort of like, why would you give, why would you give, you know, white supremacists, farmers markets you know why why would you give you know these hateful groups like i don't know those if you exercise you're one of those people you know yeah yeah it's it's a shame it's a shame and like the body positivity movement and stuff i mean that's all you know like heavily left-leaning and if you ask me i mean if you're telling somebody that hey don't better yourself Hey, be overweight, be unhealthy, consume this seed oil. You you hate that person. Right. I mean, me, I'm telling you, exercise, be the best version of yourself, eat clean diet, like go to the farmer's market, you know, do some yoga, do some stretching, go for a walk. I love you. I want you to be a better version of yourself. And it's just um, it's just crazy how I mean, specifically, you see the stuff on the left and and how um how unhealthy lifestyles have been like promoted and propped up by the machine. And, you know, this is my conspiracy to side talking. That's all interchanged with big food companies, big pharmaceutical companies. You know, they, they want you sick, weak, and dependent on the system. I want you strong, healthy, and not giving a buck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's something, especially when you're talking about food and also, you know, your aspirations of, you know, you know, doing your, you know, having your food club, doing the tastings and then, you know, possibly moving, you know, to a restaurant. It's like, you're not going to be giving people a, a test to enter whether or not, you know, they abide by, you know, whether they agree with you politically, because it shouldn't be about that. Food should be something that's, you know, universal, no matter what you believe, here's, you know, here's some great delicious stuff um, for you. And something that I, something that I noticed uh, when I was living in Brooklyn, one of the restaurants that we, my wife used to go to uh, often, they sent out this email uh, talking about how they were going, how basically they wanted to be good allies uh, for Black Lives Matter. And they were going to, you know, check their privilege and do better, you know, uh, in the role that they play in systemic racism and white supremacy and all this stuff. And I was just thinking like, like, why don't you guys just concentrate on making really good food? You know, because the last time I was there, I was like, you know, was, everything was over. There was too much salt in it. And it's sort of, and it's sort of like, here you are, you're a restaurant and you're neglecting your prime purpose in order to sort of, you know, share this um, uh, woke boilerplate. Um, and it's, and it's, un, it's unfortunate. It's like, I kind of just want you to be a place where, I can go and just get a great meal that my wife and I want to go back to. Um, and it's like, they weren't allowing that, you know, just to be, to be it. You know? Yeah. It's, it's horrible. I mean, and if you like, it's all like virtue signaling. Like if you're in a, in your, if you're in a city with like a high black population, I mean, for, for people in the city, it's really tough because, you know, you're surrounded by like cheap, easy, fast foods, like all processed bullshit. And like, get going to like um like a high end grocery store in the city super expensive. So, you know, if you're in the city and you're a restaurant and you actually think black lives matter, 
make better food, lower your price point, reach out to people and like start giving people food that's better for them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different things you could do um, besides like your generic little virtue signal, um, you know, throw some money away and get your stamp of approval. So hopefully Antifa doesn't bash in your windows. Right. Or I mean, you know, they will, they will anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, probably. It's a, it's a, it's a lot easier to bash in a window. Um, uh, I guess I've never, I've never done it. I've never tried it before. Um, I've, uh, I've cracked a couple in my day. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually uppercutted my, my car windshield, which, which sucked replacing it. But I was impressed that from the interior of the car, I could get a window crack with the uppercut. Dude, I, I was I was gonna say it's such a guy thing where it's like you know what I shouldn't have done that but damn that was kind of cool yeah, that, I yeah. was, that I was able to do that. Um, you, you talked a little a little bit about uh, being sober at ten years. You said you've uh, well, no, I was an addict for ten years. You were an addict um, for ten years. Yeah, I've been sober for five, um, and then I've been cooking and into like the health wellness full bore for three. So. Mm-hmm. And what uh what 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 was your you know your your drug of choice or um, um so I was uh, I was a pretty open minded drug addict uh, <laughs> in that <laughs> you know I kept all options open but I mean I was primarily um it was primarily prescription pills um um you know barbiturates painkillers I mean I was a, I was a fucking zombie for literally a decade um. I don't even, you know, memory wise, like a lot of that time is gray. I mean, I still remember it, obviously, but it's like, you know, it's like a, I was such a different person for so long. But, you know, prescription pills, heroin, coke, I mean, you name it, um, we were doing it. Wow. And what was the, like the wake up call? You know, you know it, it's weird, man. I, I'd, uh, I don't know if all um, addicts have it like this, but like, even at my worst, you know, totaling four cars in one year, somehow keeping my license, which is wild to think about. But um, even at my worst, I always had this vision of myself that looks almost exactly like where I'm at right now. Um, So, you know, you're in that, you're in that, that state for so long, like literally a decade of um, living in the gutter, man. And, it just builds up, builds up, builds up. And um, eventually one day I just like, I was like, that's it. I had enough. I like lost a job. I was like, you know, I burned so many bridges with friends, family. I mean, you know, everything I did just sucked, man. And I remember thinking to myself one day, like, like I'm free right now. I'm outside my dogs. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, not enjoying life, but whatever. I was like thinking in my head, I was like, all right, if they offered me a bag full of pills and that never ran out, I would let them put me in a jail cell for a year. Like, and I remember mm. like just contemplating in my head, like trading my freedom for those drugs. And like, once I like thought about that and like, then kind of put it into perspective. I was like, fuck man, you're, you're, you're off the deep end. Like you better, you better make it, make a decision soon or like before it's too late. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I've never done, um, never done like the, like painkillers and stuff. So I'm always like it, 
can you describe like what that feels like to be like you know like on pills yeah. dude it's like uh it's like a like a full body mind orgasm. Oh, <laughs> like I'm not trying to fucking sell it. Don't do it. It's you just did. Right. You just sold it. You just sold yeah. it. Yeah. It's not the right way to go. But dude, those those companies make those fucking things, and they they know. It's just like with the food. I mean, they got food scientists making that shit to like hack into your evolutionary developed taste bud system, like your craving system. And mm-hmm. those pharmaceutical companies, they've They've fine-tuned those drugs, and then all the hypocrisy and bullshit behind it is, you know, why I'm so dis- distrustful. Why I first became so distrustful of pharmaceutical companies, just because I fucking took it personal, man. Like, you know, I'm not saying that I wasn't to blame for what I did, but you know, just looking back, it's something like, uh, you know, like the Sackler family, and you know how they promoted these pills and how they sold them and what they did to doctors. But um, long story short, the the feeling is um, it's hard to it's hard to describe or compare. But um, definitely a better one now, though. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the thing about about drugs is that they work. You know, it's <laughs> like if they didn't if they didn't work, then you know people would be uh, uh, you know wouldn't be so quick. Um, you know, except SSRIs, they do not work. <laughs> okay. We just got, I just got demonetized from. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> all, all, all my, uh, all of my sponsors are SSRIs. No, you um, know it's crazy though. You fucking put on the news and like literally they are propped up by big pharma. Like how many and people from other countries watch our TV and they're like, wait a minute, like that was one commercial segment. You just had seven pharmaceutical advertisements and it's like something that's illegal in most of the world is just like glorified and is literally our whole mainstream media system is propped up by big pharma well it's wild like with those commercials because there's always like a bit where they're like um ask your doctor about or talk to your doctor and you think like shouldn't it be the other way around like shouldn't your doctor be saying to you like hey you know what i i see what you're going through here's something that you should actually think about as opposed to like implanting that idea you know in the patient's head and then having them go to the uh you know to the doctor about it yeah it's it's weird man i mean a lot of people you know like to do the blanket statement like trust your doctor this and that i mean i have i have a bit of controversial views on that i think um i think there's more doctors out there than not that are contributing to medical malpractice. I mean, I think when someone comes into your doctor's office and your immediate reaction is to get them on a prescription, um, one that you have a deal with the rep on, and that's all before you ask them anything about their diet or lifestyle. Like that's malpractice to me. That's, that, that's, um, you're you're definitely not um keeping up with the what is it hippocratic oath or hypo i think it's yeah i think it's hippocratic um yeah so, something i tweeted out uh, a couple of weeks ago is just like you know the dirty secret about healthcare is that most doctors suck and it's been, <laughs> it's been my experience i mean this and and i had a number of people commenting it's like it's like yeah it's like any other industry like most restaurants suck most you know uh you know anything else that that, that you have and and I, I had the experience of, you know, recently going for an annual physical 
with a doctor and it was the shortest annual physical I'd, I've ever had. And, you know, uh, in previous doctors that I've, uh, that I've had, um, you know, it was a lot of conversation, you know, a lot of conversation, a lot of them asking questions. So, you know, have you been doing this, you're doing this. Um, and even just like the whole, the, uh, the bot, the body exam lasting a lot longer. And I asked, uh, the doctor, I was like, uh, it was a woman. I was like, are you, you know, are you going to check me for hernia? Are you going to check me, you know, my test, you know, my testicles. And, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, maybe I came on too strong. Um, <laughs> but for me, that's the norm. You're a, you're a guy and your doctor goes and, and checks. And, and she said, Oh, we normally uh, check only if something's, if, if you feel like something's wrong. It's like, this is my annual physical. Like I might feel fine. But you being a doctor, you might see something there that needs, you know, that needs addressing. Um, and then ultimately, I went, I got, I got my blood work, and you know, obviously, the blood work is going to tell you a lot more about, you know, about yourself. Um, but two weeks later, I had a call with that same doctor, and I basically like chewed her out on the phone, and I was just <laughs> like, yeah, I, it was, it, I was like, you know, I don't know if it was a modesty thing, like you're, you know, a female doctor. But like, if that, if it's a modesty thing, then get a male doctor in there. Yeah. And I just let her know, like, if this is, you know, very unprofessional. I'm not going to be coming, you know, coming back to you. And this is like one of the first times that I actually spoke to a doctor as if like, no, you're running a, you're running a business here and I am your customer. And I'm very upset by the way, by, by, by the treatment that I got. Now I bet some people listen to this like, oh, this dude was upset that a, that a, that a woman didn't touch his ball, <laughs> you know? It's like I'm married. I've been, you know, I've been with my wife for, we're going on, uh, you know, uh, for 10 years. So yeah, every now and then it would be nice to get a, you know, different set of hands on my, on my. Hey, you paid for the full physical, man. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. A semi happy ending. Um, But it's a, but it's like another, it's an example too. Like, you know, you really have to be, you know, your own advocate when it comes to this stuff, you know, and not allow, you know, the system to sort of take you wherever the hell it's used to taking people because I saw, I saw the other people in the waiting room, like older, overweight, you know, obviously, you know, looking for uh, prescri- you know, they're on prescriptions and all that. And for so many people, it's like, that's the life that they're going to live. You know, that yeah. that's what being staying alive is health is, is healthcare, you know, for them, like being able to get up out of your seat and walk that's healthcare. And it's like that, that's not the kind of life, that I live and that and the, the type of type of lifestyle that I live either. Yeah. yeah I mean, our healthcare has become sick care, you know, yeah. and, and people are, people are busy. They got a bunch of shit going on They're you know, financially economy, the jobs, like all this shit. The last thing someone wants to hear is like, listen, they don't want to kill you tomorrow, but they want you to die a slow, profitable death. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my dad went to the doctor for, um, acid reflux like a couple months ago and i i tried to let his in-house witch doctor do the curing but he was stubborn he went to a real doctor and um he goes and he i was like how'd it go he's like oh they want to put me on this medication so i was like so what did they ask you right he's like he's like oh nothing really just about the symptoms and i was like i was like you went to the doctor for acid reflux and they didn't ask you what your diet was? He said, no. I said, wait a minute. They didn't ask you anything about your diet, your lifestyle, you know, anything. Sleep, like what you're drinking, alcohol, cigarettes, nothing. And he's like, 
No, nothing. So, I mean, that's that's not a doctor. That is a pharmaceutical salesman, you know, that is somebody making making their money just getting prescriptions out there. And it's horrible. It's horrible what our whole systems become. And then, I mean, I could go on and on about this because then, you know, that pharmaceutical thing is compounding. Everything, everything is connected. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you have somebody on all these pharmaceuticals from like SSRIs to birth control. That all goes into the water system. Now everybody's ingesting this shit. So like it's, it's one small thing, like, you know, doctors not knowing what they're doing. And then, you know, it just compounds into like this big thing that, you know, is, is a problem for society as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and thankfully, you know, even with, you know, all that going on, there's still, you know, options on the, on the individual level. And obviously, you know, you, you're, ex you're an example of that. And, you know, it's sort of like, you know, if you can't do anything, well, you can definitely um, choose what you put into your body, you know? So like, like say if, um, if you had to give, you know, just sort of like a, a general, you know, some general advice, you know, on people as far as, you know, what to eat and what not to eat. Like, wh where, where where should somebody start? You know, if, if they have like a pretty much like a traditional American diet, you know, where, you know, what should they look to eliminate, I guess? You know, the it, I I get I go deep with this stuff, you know, like I my account's cooking a keto, but I still eat carbs like, you know, so I get I get particular with like imported flour non-gmo like i get into the weeds with like me personally but as far as like a general thing for people is that a protein dominant diet um that's meat-based proteins they're the most bioavailable um contrary to popular belief they're not going to destroy the environment so you know you're good there a meat protein dominant diet is number one and number two processed foods uh cut them out mm. I mean, limit them or cut them out completely. And I know it's difficult. Like, you know, you're working, you got a meal prep and, you know, it's, it's hard and it's time consuming, you know, for somebody with a busy day, but you can get it done quick. And not only is it going to add life years to your life, it's going to add life to your years. Like it's something you're investing in yourself. You know, you want to, you want to fucking, throw your grandkids up in the air, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, small changes as you're, as you're aging. I mean, as you're living, just small changes are going to make such a huge difference when you're older. Um, especially. Yeah. Those are the top two though, protein dominant diet and cutting out processed foods. Yeah. I mean, you know, even just something like as simple as, you know, like grabbing an apple versus grabbing like, you know, chips or something like that. It's like, it, it, it's just right there, you know, it's like a simple, you know, sort of, um, uh, sort of change. Um, so, you know, something I want to talk, want to talk about. So, uh, you mentioned, uh, MasterChef and on your, uh, on your account, um, there's, um, a clip of you, you know, serving a meal, you know, to, you know, Gordon Ramsay and the, the other, like, you know, panel, how did, how did that happen? Like, how'd you get, you know, how, how does one go from, uh, construction, addiction starting to cook you know as an amateur cook and then you know getting to that you know to that level yeah it was uh it's a wild ride step by step but um i was very happy to be on the show um still a lot a little surprised i was on there to begin with um but uh 
it, you know, when I started cooking, I started posting on social media. Um, so my account started to grow and I, you know, I kind of was in YouTube university, like learning all these different cultural techniques to cooking, like, you know, learn Italian techniques from Pasquale, then Asian techniques from Socon's Longest. And then like, then I started to make my own, make my own recipes. So that's how my social media kind of um, started. And one day somebody from MasterChef reached out and, uh, you know, I'm definitely uh, have some good presentable food. Um, I'll go toe to toe with any home chef in the country, but um, I also have like a little bit of a redemption arc story. So, um, mm. you know, they, they got me on there and didn't pass up on me. I went through the whole audition process, got on the show and uh, it was awesome to like, you know, make a steak and eggs dish. Like that's my dish, steak and eggs. And then I make that for, you know, some of the best chefs you know, alive. And, uh, it was really cool, uh, to be able to cook that for Gordon and Joe, the whole crew on there. And then the biggest thing was, you know, when I got that apron, like just sharing that moment with my dad, just, uh, it meant the world to me. You know, he, like I said on the show, I mean, he watched his son, like slowly kill himself, like literally kill myself in slow motion for 10 years. Like he, he watched mm -hmm. that. So to, when, when I when I got sober and then, you know, started bettering myself and building and building, you know, it was always like we were we're at work tight. We're cool. But we never really we never really hashed it out and kind of put a ribbon on it and like really mm. got into the the emotion of, um, you know, what what that time period did to him, uh, me. And um, yeah, to have that moment with him and just see to see his reaction it, it was it was priceless man i wouldn't trade the world for it. it it was awesome to have and uh i really loved that yeah now that that was so cool uh so cool to watch um and yeah it's like a, a lot of you know a lot of like reality shows they usually you know they go for um you know sometimes they go for the lowest common denominator and and it's it's nice every now and then to see like oh here's like some real positivity that you know people can get behind so what what was the yeah. dish you made uh, you said steak and eggs well yeah what, what was it yeah it was steak and eggs it was my it was um a filet mignon uh perfectly cooked medium rare um <laughs> and then a uh a samurai egg which is like kind of my own technique that i developed um you know that's like cooking eggs is like really really special to me it's like all the different ways you could prepare it, how delicate they are. But a samurai egg is basically separating the yolks from the whites. Mm -hmm. A little equal, separate but equal, if you will. <laughs> um, so once you get those whites down there, you're cooking them low temperature. And I put some caramelized onions, some Gruyere cheese, a little spice. And then you reintroduce the yolk, kind of tuck it in, fold it over like a present, and flip it over, let that cook at a low temperature to kind of get the flavors infused with the egg yolk. And then um, it's presented as this little strange looking square egg on top of your steak with a, a nice side of uh, avocado to kind of contrast the um, the spiciness and the deep flavor of the egg. And uh, yeah, it was cool, man, to, to make that dish for Master Chef and it be on national TV was just, uh, it was amazing. That's awesome, man. Um, and I think I have to get out of here so I could actually eat. 
because <laughs> you're, not, you're not helping in, in that department. Um, my bad, so, my bad. Yeah. So um, when is uh, when when do you think the food club is going to be up and running? Yeah, so I'm about um, two weeks out. I've uh, just I got all my inserts in. I'm just finishing up the um, the Argentinian grill. I got to do the facade this week, so I'll be um, you know getting my uh, all my mortar on there and just slapping up that tile, and then a little bit of plumbing work, just some temporary sink action, and then we we're ready to rock. So I'm looking at about two weeks out. Cool. And um, where can people get, you know, that info? Uh, do you have a, a site that's built yet or uh, no site yet? Just hit me up on social media, follow along. I've been updating with, uh, you know, some progress picks. And then once I'm fully done and I do a mock run, that's when I'll make like the big announcement for when I'm starting to uh, put a schedule together for people so I can get hard dates in there. And then, um, yeah. So just hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at cooking cooking a keto underscore in between and um yeah just shoot me a dm or comment on the post i'll put you on my little list there and uh we'll get you over here it's gonna be michelin star level food or your money back so can't awesome. wait the, uh, i just want everyone to know this is not binding uh ryan is just very it's very excited from <laughs> um Oh no, dude! Th- thank you so much, man. Um, and I and I wish you the best. And I, yeah, I'd love to make it. Um, you know, to make it down if there's room for me um, at the uh, at the the chef's uh, table, chef's counter, chef's table. That's um, it. Awesome, man. So, uh, uh, everybody, you know, please go check out uh, Ryan's stuff. Cooking at keto underscore between uh, cooking it and underscore between it and keto. Sweet.